0: Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Two men. Fifteen minutes. Eternal Impact. Welcome to Text Talk. His glory I will see I will Edwin, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> I'm 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 getting ready to talk about the text. <laughs> what are you doing? Well, I'm just so
0: excited (laughs) to talk about the text. You're just so excited. I'm kicking off another exciting. (laughs) Psalm 13. (laughs) Hey, I appreciate you
1: lifting us up here because yesterday was a little bit of a downer talking about the fear of death. Today, I want to talk about another fear. You cool with that? All righty. We see it here in Psalm thirteen with David and his life in the interim between the interim between when the promise is given and the promise is granted. And yesterday we talked about the fear of death. That's right. Today I want to talk about the fear of defeat. Okay. The fear of defeat. Let's see if you can hear it here in Psalm thirteen. I'm I'm reading today from the New Living Translation. Let's just see how they get this poem out for us. O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying, We have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to
0: the Lord because he is good to me. Well, you asked if I would hear it, if I would hear about defeat. And I think I heard it in verse four, right? Yeah, absolutely. And
1: the New Living Translation really brings it out. Don't let my enemies gloat saying, we have defeated him. We have defeated him. We have defeated him. So here we find David living in the interim, possibly if what we've talked about in earlier conversations is accurate, this probably written sometime during that period between when god had him anointed by samuel to be king and later gets anointed actually as king by judah Mm -hmm. and then israel i don't know 13 15 17 year period something like that he goes from being a youth Mm -hmm. when he fights goliath to being 30 so somewhere in those early teens right i know we've, we've talked about this sometime before I haven't found a passage. It might be there. Somebody can can bring it in. Um, I didn't look deeply enough just to be certain that there's a passage that says exactly how old he was when he fought Goliath. Maybe there is one. But I do know this. He's less than 20. Yeah. Because had he been more than 20, he'd have been in the... He'd have been in the army.
0: Yeah, he's the youngest of all of his brothers. Only three of his brothers even went out to war. Well, which which makes me wonder, was
1: this an issue of, hey, we don't send all the the boys to war? Or is this pointing out that he's the youngest and there's actually still three between him and and age 20? So that that only the older three are over 20 years old, which, I mean, if that's the case, we're pushing David back to 13, 14, 15 maybe, somewhere along in there. Um so and then that's when he's anointed by Samuel sure um which which is before which is before that battle's even taking place so we're we're even before that because all the other boys are at home when Samuel actually anoints him yeah, so we've got right. some period of time between the anointing and the battle where these three older ones are are in the war anyway so we're looking at 15 years I think it's a good around ballpark there. that's right wow lengthy time here's the guy that goes and checks on his brother during the battle, takes him some food, is going to bring some news back to his dad about his brothers at war. And he hears this giant step out into the valley that says, send me a man that we may fight. And he sits there and watch as nobody steps forward. Mm-hmm. The king doesn't step forward. His older brother doesn't step forward. And so here's David, this, ve- this youth. Yeah. And he says, hmm,
0: I'll do that. That's been going on for like 40 days, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Goliath just comes up there and mocks them, mocks them, curses their God. I mean, it's just foul.
1: And David says, you know what? I'm, I'm not scared of death. I'm not scared of defeat.
0: Yeah, he has no fear of defeat on that moment.
1: No. And so it's, everybody else did. Everybody else did. Even the king did, which which is an interesting thing. And I know I'm not the first to say this, but, you know, we're told that Saul stood head and shoulders above the rest of the Israelites when he's appointed yeah, that's right. as king. His armor is so, too big for David. And his armor's too big for David. So Saul is like the Goliath of the Israelites. Yes. But he won't go against the Goliath of the Philistines. No. But David does. However, now we're in the psalm where there is a fear of defeat. Lord, I need you to answer me, consider me, and answer me. Hear my prayer. Yesterday we
0: highlighted, "Lest I
1: die," today, "Lest my enemies defeat me,"
0: which may not be, um, you know, totally foreign than death. But yeah, we we can certainly talk about them differently. There's there's different ways to be defeated. Um, you know, when you think about who your enemy is and who our enemies are as Christians, we're worried many times about a spiritual defeat, about uh, succumbing to temptation or to doubt, failing in different ways. We see a lot of defeat around us, frankly. It's easier to look at this world and see where people stumble than to see the victories. And maybe again, this psalm just... Speaks to the worldview and the appreciation of life that there's more days when we fear defeat or trying to pick ourselves up from defeat than days where we could say, "Oh, I won. It was a great day today." First Corinthians chapter
1: 15, I think of toward the end of the chapter, demonstrates that maybe these two spheres are not all that different. Mm. At least for us, no, yeah, that's right. Because when we consider who our number one enemy is,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: sin. Satan. Right. Death. Those things all get wrapped up together. They do. And so often we see death as the biggest defeat. Yeah. Because because, of course, if I live, well, I can go on to fight another day.
0: Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, death is certainly an enemy and the last enemy that will be conquered in resurrection. And and there with
1: the faith that Paul preaches, points out that we can say because of Jesus Christ, death has no victory. Mm -hmm. Death has no sting. Mm -hmm. The power of death is gone. And so even when I face death, it is not a defeat. Mm -hmm. It is not a defeat at all. I think about Paul in Philippians chapter 1. Mm -hmm. where he highlights that, yeah, he's in prison, and obviously there's two possibilities here. He's either going to continue in prison until they execute him, or he's going to get released. And he highlights that, you know, really either one is going to be good. Mm -hmm. If I am released, that's going to be good for you, because I'll get to have continued work Mm -hmm. among you, increasing your faith, helping you. But if I die, that's gain. But why was it gain? Because for him, living was Christ.
0: Yeah. I was just going to say... Defeat can take a lot of forms, though. Uh, when when the enemies prevail and we are defeated, I mean, we might lose standing, we might lose position, we might lose reputation. Uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of ways to be defeated, and a lot of things. I guess that that stirs up fear. Mm-hmm.
1: And and David is having this fear in the interim, uh, and it's a place where we can have the fear. I guess the thing that I have to recognize, going back to what you said uh, Monday as you consider this worldview and what all is going on, and the kind of, I think you mentioned it even again a few moments ago, just th- this, this idea that when I'm living in the interim, one of the things that the devil, the enemy, really wants to do is make me afraid my side is losing. Mm-hmm. He wants to make me afraid that my king has lost the battle, yeah. that his kingdom isn't going to make it. Is the church going to survive? Oh, no. Yeah. Will the truth prevail? Oh, no. I mean, here are these enemies. There's Islam. There's politics that we don't like. There's sin that is, that is lifted up and everyone is, is proclaiming it and supporting it. Will God's truth prevail or survive? Yes. Yes. I, I mean, it
0: will. But Satan wants us to be afraid. That our side is losing. Yeah. Psychological warfare, information warfare. Uh, the enemy keeps telling us that we're going to lose. The enemy keeps telling us that we cannot prevail in different ways. And if we're not careful, we'll start to believe it. We'll start to believe it. Mm. We'll start to believe it. First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 11. This is another of David's
1: prayers. This is one of my favorites. Smack in the middle of it. He just says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory... And the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. All that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. I mean, he's he's won. He's already won. It all belongs to him. He gets to control it. He's going to make sure that his will is ultimately accomplished, whatever happens between now and the end. And it may be ups and downs. It may be mountaintops and valleys. There's going to be daylight and darkness between here and there. But in the end, God is going to win. Even if we look at these Psalms as this issue of the, the, the pattern of life, the ups yeah. and downs, you know how it ends. It ends with like five, six, seven praise songs right in a row. Just this, this cacophony of praise,
0: this, this, uh, it's just an amazing thing because that's, that's where we're headed. Yeah. Entering into the temple and the Psalms of Ascent and all that. Yeah.
1: We are going to win. Mm -hmm. Uh, First John
0: chapter five and verse Mm four, we're going to overcome the world. What is our
1: victory that overcomes the world? Faith. Faith. Faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And so here are these moments When the enemy is attacking and he's trying to get us to question, you know what that makes me think of? What's that? We, we've already used this week the parallel of Jesus at his baptism. Here's this moment of seeming great victory. He goes into the waters of baptism. He is immersed in the Jordan, and as he comes up, the, the clouds part, the sun shines down, the dove alights on him, and the voice of God cries out, yeah. this is my son mm-hmm. in whom I am well pleased. And it th- this ought to be a great day. It ought to be a great week. But the very next thing, he, Is driven out into the wilderness by the Spirit of God to face temptation. And one text presents it as he's being tempted for the entire 40 days. We only get to see three of these temptations, but two of them are started with the question, if you're the Son of God, do this. What what is the purpose of of the tempter, of Satan, the devil, saying, if you're the Son of God? Mm -hmm. Testing him. Yeah, here's here's been this great moment of victory. And now the enemy's trying to say, yeah, but was it really? Mm. I mean, okay, you heard a voice that said you're the son of God. But are you sure? Are you really sure? And Jesus comes out on top because he says, look, I'm not going to play your games. I'm not going to play your games. I, I am the son of God. I'm trusting the word of God. And that's very much where David ends up being here. Here here are these fears in the interim. Yeah. And what he's saying is, I'm I'm going to trust God. I trust his steadfast love. We're going to talk about faith later in the week, but it's, I trust his steadfast love. How do I, how do I even know about his steadfast love? Because God told me about it.
0: Now, f- faith is. Faith is the victory. And faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I, I'm looking here at verse 4 and talking uh, in Psalm 13 again. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. Hmm. How important it is not to be moved mm-hmm. not to be moved not to not to give way to the fear of defeat yeah
1: when i think about this idea of defeat that that automatically makes me think about games you know i'm i love games
0: yes you're very competitive i am
1: very competitive i hate losing
0: yes you're very competitive <laughs> do you want to say that again just to make sure everybody knows it <laughs> i mean i think anyone that's ever played a game with you knows you're
1: very competitive <laughs> There's one thing that I dislike more than losing, and that is when someone starts losing and they just give up and want to throw in the towel and walk away. I mean, oh. we, we established a rule in my house. You start a game, you finish a game, and, and you try hard throughout the whole game. You don't, you don't no. sit there and give up and, and, and that's try what to – That's what it means to be competitive. You got to try
0: hard the whole time. That's right. That's exactly
1: right. That's exactly right. You know, and so when I'm playing a game with somebody and they want to give up and quit because they start losing, what I try to convince them, look, you never know what's going to happen next. You, 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 mm-hmm. you don't know the cards might go your way. Things might go against me or against them. You just never know. You don't know how it's going to end. So don't give up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I actually have that same piece of advice, but for the exact opposite reason when it comes to life. I want to tell myself. I want to tell you. Anybody who wants to listen, look. Things may look bad. It may look like you're losing. You you may be struggling with faith that you're winning. Don't give up. But the reason why I'm saying don't give up here is not. I'm not going to say don't give up. Yeah, I mean you never know what's going to happen next. You don't know how it's going to end. Here I want to say don't give up because I do know how it's going to end. Right. Jesus wins every time. And there's victory. Don't give up. Thank you very much for listening today. I, I hope this has been encouraging. It's tough to talk about fears. That just seems yeah. like a big downer. But I hope as we're learning from this, it's it's benefiting us and actually uplifting us. We are going to get to faith. That's where the psalm is going. We will talk about one more fear tomorrow.
0: So, but, <laughs> but, uh, but we believe you, Edwin. We, we will talk <laughs> it, about faith. It'll get there. We're going to get there. <laughs> so in that faith, why don't you go ahead and wrap us up today with a prayer? Our great God and Father, Lord. Thank you for this time to to look at Psalm 13 to appreciate that David had times in the interim and and I I don't know Lord you know how many people here are listening to these these conversations and reading along with this psalm and 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 they're feeling it this is where they are and there's despair and they're crying out to you I pray father that they might in a way today feel your comfort feel the assurance that there is victory, Father. There's victory in Christ and in nowhere else, and we do know how it ends, in victory. And so, Father, please steal us against the fear of defeat this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
1: Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians Who Meet on Livingston Avenue this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at ChristiansMeetHere.org.